0: Hello, beautiful. Hello there. Hello. My name's Forge, Forrest gone. Hello, John. Hello, John. Hello, John. Hello, John. <laughs> Hello. Hello, John. Welcome to the party, pal. Hello! My name is Diego Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare
1: to die. Oh, hi, Mark. Hello, Neo. Do you know who this is?
0: Hello, Poppy. hello everybody and welcome again to be kind please rewind a 90s movie podcast I'm Chris I'm Kevin and we're here with June 1990 and it was a good one
1: thank goodness because I needed this there was there were excuse me a lot of good movies that uh, we get to talk about
0: today yeah the top three were all three were a treat to watch I did I enjoyed all three um yeah, so let's just dive right into it or you got something you want to say I'm ready to rock, man. All wow, right, let's do this. So there were only eight movies that came out this month, which is kind of surprising.
1: But that makes it that much easier to do this because I'm going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the top three. So
0: Yeah, and honestly, all of but one movie I've seen on this list. But that's that's refreshing from months where we haven't even heard of all of the movies on the list. Yeah. So Agreed, 100%. So coming in at number eight was Betsy's Wedding. Grossing $19,740,000.
1: I got to interrupt you and say, I've never heard of Betsy's Wedding.
0: Neither have I, but you're going to be surprised by this cast. Okay. Uh, so this movie starring Alan Alda, who is nice. director, writer, and star. Wow. Of course, he was Hawkeye on MASH. Uh, Molly Ringwald.
1: I never heard of her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> as well as fellow Brat Pack star, Ali Sheedy. Nice. Nice. Joey Bishop, he was from the original o- Ocean's Eleven. Okay. Uh, and Madeline Kahn, she was in Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein. Of
1: course she was. And Clue. She of was course. Mrs.
0: White. And Catherine O'Hara from Home Alone and Schitt's Creek Frame. I,
1: I can't, you know, going back to Ali Sheedy, I got this thing where I can't decide whether or not she's hot.
0: Well, it's because the Breakfast Club kind of ruined her. But then,
1: the after the makeover, she was hot again. But
0: she was never hot, right? That's what I'm undecided
1: about. But also, um, uh, Saint Elmo's Fire. Yeah, I gotta be honest, Saint Elmo's Fire. Not a good movie for you. Saw it. Oh, I well, I have to be honest. I haven't seen. I never saw Saint Elmo's Fire until this year. Right. And so then I've seen it twice. It makes since.
0: me feel a little bit better because Be- I feel like it's a movie I should have seen. But
1: also, it's not nearly as good as Breakfast Club. So, but it's a good movie, but not nearly as good as is Breakfast Club. Is any
0: teen drama as good as Breakfast Club? I mean,
1: I would say yes. There are definitely some, but it, it say my point is St. Elmo's Fire worth one watch at least.
0: All right. And finally, Joe Pesci.
1: Oh sorry, I didn't I thought you were done.
0: And no, that's all right. And Joe Pesci's in this movie as well. Of course we all know who Joe Pesci is. I'm not gonna go through his IMDB. Uh, and Samuel L. Jackson has an appearance as, a, as the cab driver. All right. So
1: oh, now I want to watch this movie, though.
0: <laughs> but I don't think... He, I think this is just when Samuel L. Jackson's getting started. So but I, for all of them. Yeah. I want to
1: see all of them on screen.
0: But then when I tell you what this movie's about, I mean, it's titled Betsy's Wedding. So clearly there's a wedding.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, so the very different Betsy and Jake are getting married. They want a small wedding. But their dads want to, want to give a big, big bash. Okay. All right. So... That's the plot? That's the plot. And the, the, it's a big clash between uh, the, them and their fathers. So that's that movie. I'm probably out for it. But, I mean, it's a good cast.
1: Yeah. Well, look, I, I'll definitely I'll suck it up with the plot and the purpose. And uh, we'll, I would still watch it anyway. Coming in at number seven is Ghost Dad. Also, never seen this movie. And I, I know that I should have as a child, and I didn't.
0: I've seen this movie more times than i can count i think i've already spoken about it on the podcast at least three or four times okay uh this is that movie that i think gloria's house yes beach house it was (laughs) the only movie on vhs and anytime it would rain we were at the beach house that's what went on the tv all right um so this is starring uh bill cosby and literally nobody else okay um it was directed by Sidney Poitier.
1: Wow, that's interesting.
0: Yes, by, and in case you don't know, Sidney Poitier is the first black man to win an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Lead Role. Basically, this movie is about a ghost dad that goes back to his children who are now orphaned children. It's, uh, and then comedy. hijinks
1: ensue? Yes. Okay.
0: Exactly. And that's pretty much it. It was a great movie when I was a kid. It's a good movie for kids.
1: I feel like I should watch this with my children.
0: Yes, probably All right, coming in number six. Now we get into a whole string of sequels Have we
1: said the gross?
0: Oh, I apologize. The gross for Ghost Dad was $25 million.
1: Wow, that's a lot. For number seven on the list? Yes. Okay, good.
0: Well, number eight was 19.7.
1: I don't know why that didn't impress me and number seven did, but (laughs) okay.
0: All right, coming in at number six. And like I said, this is where we're getting into a couple of sequels here. Uh, Gremlins 2, the new batch. Okay. Grossed $41.5 million. Mm-hmm. However, this movie cost $50 million to make.
1: Okay, so we're losing money. Now, now, did we discern whether or not Joe Dante directed the second one as well?
0: Yeah, Joe Dante directed Gremlins and Gremlins 2.
1: Okay, so...
0: So, the Gremlins are back, and this time they've taken control of a New York City media mogul's high-tech skyscraper. Like I said, directed by Joe Dante, who directed Gremlins explores mm-hmm. The Howling, mm-hmm. obviously Gremlins 2, Inner Space, yep. and one of your all-time favorites. The Burbs. Yep, there you go. So you know this. You know.
1: I know Joe Dante's work. There
0: you go. But also,
1: I, had, I have zero recollection of Gremlins 2. Zero.
0: I think, like, I don't remember Gremlins or Gremlins 2. They kind of meld together, and I'm pretty sure in my mind, it's actually Gremlins 2 that I'm thinking of.
1: Yeah, well, like, I, I
0: can't describe a scene,
1: though. I it. know Gremlins fairly well. I've seen it more than a handful of times, but...
0: All yeah, right, so this is starring Zach Galligan, and that's it. Like, I went through his IMDb. Now, who is he? He's just nobody.
1: Was he not the guy from the first
0: one? He's the main character, yeah. He's in the, the first this, one, right. Okay. The first and the second one. This but is everyone else the, is gone? He's No, everyone's still in it, but it's... Uh, I'll go through the father, it. The father, the mother, yeah. they're there. Phoebe, C- Phoebe Cates is in it. Wow. All uh, right, so... I'm talking about Zach Galigan This is the only movie he's ever done. Oh, like one he's and done, two? He has like five or six credits, but nothing of note.
1: So Gremlins one and two are his whole career? Correct. Oh, I thought I I misunderstood. I thought you said he was the only person of note no, no, no. in it. This my mistake. This is
0: all he's done. Okay. Uh, Phoebe Cates, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, mm-hmm. Drop Dead Fred. Uh, and then there's John Glovers in this. And I only threw him in there uh, because he's from my favorite show, Smallville. He okay. played. Lionel Luther.
1: <laughs> all right.
0: All right. And oh, Howie Mandel voices Gizmo, which I never knew And I.
1: In the yeah. first one too? Yep, in both. Oh, that's awesome.
0: And like, it's not surprising when you think about it. Like this is when Howie Mandel was like. Stand up
1: comedian, famous, weird yeah. guy, sort of Howie Mandel. He does
0: those weird voices.
1: So. Also the voice of the father and the voice of Bobby on Bobby's World. Yes. You remember and, like, Bobby's, Bobby's World?
0: Bobby's World came out in like 94. So like this all fits in. Yes. Makes sense.
1: Bobby's World was an amazing cartoon. Loved it. When his last name was Generic, but people would say Generic and he'd get mad?
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't remember those specifics. I just remember loving the show. That's the only
1: specific I remember of the show. The
0: only thing I remember is him being at the pool and his dad, and then him saying, I think I have athlete's foot. And like, he's flying around with his feet, with wings. (laughs) Oh, that's right. His thing was daydreaming, (laughs) right? Okay. All right. So moving on. Coming in at number five, RoboCop 2. Hmm. Uh, grossing $45.6 million It's exactly the same as RoboCop 1 I believe Cyborg law enforcer RoboCop Returns to protect the citizens of old Detroit But faces a deadly challenge When a rogue OCP member Secretly creates a new evil RoboCop
1: Okay <laughs> Well for the first one was amazing I can't remember the last time I seen the second one So yeah, 99? Who's the director do you know
0: Amazingly enough Irvin Kirshner who directed *Empire Strikes Back*? Oh, okay. Uh, he also directed *Never Say Never Again*. And Irvin Kershner does not have a large resume, mm. but he arguably directed the best Star Wars movie there is. Okay. So, gotta give him credit for that. So it's starring Peter Weller. Who was Buckaroo Banzai, which, oh, what an atrocious movie that was. Oh, my goodness. So,
1: quick sidebar. Yours and mine obsession with Ready Player One got us to watch Buckaroo Banzai. Because they
0: made such a big deal about what an amazing character he was.
1: Well, the book two and and the movie, and we thought we missed this treasure. We thought we had a diamond in the rough. We, we got all prepared for this movie. So excited to watch Buckaroo Banzai together. And turns out, it was a train wreck of a movie. Like, it, it was incoherent, and it had no point of reference. I guess it was a comic book or something. I don't know what it was
0: previously. No idea what was going on the entire movie.
1: And then I asked, I asked my father, too, because my father, you know, he loves movies and yeah. 80s and 90s movies. And I was like, Dad, do you ever... Do you ever see Buckaroo Banzai? He's like, no, what's that? So that kind of like confirmed the idea that it wasn't what they hyped it to be in Ready Player One at all. All right, sorry. Anyway,
0: must be a cult following. I don't know. I guess. So that's RoboCop two. Okay. And next, number four, another Forty Eight Hours, grossing one hundred and fifty two point eight million dollars.
1: That's crazy. That this is the height of Eddie Murphy's fame.
0: This is literally like so. 40, 48 hours was Eddie Murphy's first movie. Okay, first feature film. Okay, okay so he'd done a lot of stand up, a lot of Southern right, Air raw,
1: Bond. delirious, all that came out. This
0: was forty eight hours was his first movie.
1: Do you know that? Sorry to interrupt. Do you know that raw, delirious, whatever the first one? He was only like twenty two years old at the time.
0: I had no idea. Yeah,
1: yeah, super young.
0: Um. So yeah. So he. So now he does. So after forty eight hours, he gets Beverly Hills Cop. He, so he's enormous. Right. And then they want to do 48 hours, two, uh, another 48 hours, mm-hmm. and they want to bring him back. So he only made $450,000 for the first 48 hours. Yeah. His paycheck went up to $7 million for, nice. the, sex, for the sequel. Good for him. Yeah. So that this is right in the height of his career. Nick Nolte was also in this movie. Mm. Uh, Nick Nolte actually got paid more than Eddie Murphy for the first one. Mm-hmm. He made a $1 million, mm. but he only went up to $3 million for this movie.
1: Well, deservedly so that Eddie got more.
0: Oh, 100%. And so just a quick synopsis. Jack Cates once again enlists the aid of ex-con Reggie Hammond, this time to take down the Iceman, a ruthless drug lord operating in the San Francisco Bay Area. Do you Have Have you seen recently 48 Hours, the first the one? last time I saw 48 Hours, I must have been 14 years old.
1: It's so dark. It's not a comedy. It has like some... Because Eddie Murphy's in it has like some funny moments, but it's a very dark movie and aggressively racist. Nick Nolte uses the N-word to Eddie Murphy multiple times.
0: I mean... The '80s were a racist time,
1: so. I mean, I'm saying I'm not. I'm saying that that was part of the tone. I'm not saying that. I'm not implying that Nick Nolte is racist or that the movie was racist per se. I'm just saying that it was an aggressively dark movie. It wasn't really a comedy.
0: Well, you know, this is something I should probably give another watch. I've actually never seen another 48 Hours, so. I don't know when the
1: last time I saw it was, so I should give it a watch as well.
0: Directed by Walter Hill. Only thing notable was 48 Hours. Okay. So that's it for our movies we didn't watch. And now we move into the top three. Can you please do this movie justice with its introduction? So this is a movie. (laughs) Fast cars. In a world (laughs) where there's fast cars and NASCAR drivers. And Tom Cruise is at the height of his game. Days of Thunder.
1: from it doesn't matter which end of the car goes around the corner first hold on a minute don't you think we ought to talk you about how i'm gonna run sure About well, how you manage to live as long as you have there's
0: nothing i can't do with a race car you run running good thank you i want to see how you do the crowd. Uh, we can fix it right here now what's it gonna be
1: about racing
0: so much? Speed. I don't want you to hold a bad opinion of Cole. He needs reassurance from you that he's okay. And after all, you're his doctor. Alan, before you find out, if you're really good, are you really lucky? Now you're scared. You're scared. He doesn't believe you can drive anymore. I'll take your word for what a car can do. But I'm
1: not taking anybody's word for what I can do because nobody knows. Get
0: back in that
1: car, you'll die. Very quick background. My family, for some reason or another, born and raised in New York for generations, right? Somehow or another are huge race fans, which is mostly like a Southern thing. This is like the height of NASCAR's fame. And this is a cult classic in my household. These quotes get thrown around. Like I quote movies like
0: maybe none other right but my father's not too far off from me knowing how obsessed your father is with nascar because i know he has the daytona party every year every year um this has to be one of his favorites as well
1: so just so you know how far the 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 racing vein runs in my family two of my uncles worked in nascar on pit crews and stuff his two brothers my father's two brothers i
0: knew that but i thought your dad did too No, he worked – there was a
1: speedway back in the day called Islip Speedway that no longer exists that he used to, like, help out and because his father raced, his best friend John, his father used to race. So, like, they all – that's all they did was race their whole entire childhood, and they're into it now. So So this
0: movie was made for your family, basically.
1: I guess. Also, Tom Cruise at the height of his fame. So, all right, let me give the plot because no, I don't. Oh,
0: before we get into the plot, okay, I, I just want to add a couple of interesting facts about this movie.
1: I'm sorry. I'm fanboying. I'm
0: very excited. So, first of all, Richard Petty was in this movie. Yes. Just a cameo, quick. You saw his face. He said something about the racers, whatever. But then he was interviewed after the movie and they asked him what he thought about the movie. He said, they got two things right that there's numbers on the cars and the cars go fast. <laughs> He's not far <laughs> off. So, there's that. Also, this. Quentin Tarantino actually came out and said, this is quite possibly his favorite movie of all time. No way. So, which I found extremely interesting. I know. Okay. So say what you want to say about it.
1: All I want to say is that makes me love Quentin Tarantino even more.
0: Okay, good. But even further now. So here's something I didn't know. True Romance. Who directed True Romance?
1: Same director of this movie.
0: Yes. But I thought Quentin Tarantino directed True Romance. No. I was wrong about that. Yeah. He wrote it i
1: didn't know he wrote it so
0: quentin tarantino wrote true romance yeah and then the director tony scott who's mm-hmm. actually a very well-established director yeah goes on to direct true romance and i'm wondering if it's quentin tarantino's love for this movie that ended up making true romance be directed by tony scott
1: i, I mean that makes sense right
0: yeah I, I looked into it. i couldn't find anything but those two connect that way and That was interesting.
1: All right, let's get into it. So we don't, I don't want to spend, because I could spend an hour, but nobody wants me to. So let's get right into it. Tom Cruise is the best name in any movie in all of history. Cole Trickle. All right, Robert Duvall plays Harry Hogg. Nicole Kidman plays the love interest and Who Cares? Randy Quaid plays the car owner. Uh, Michael Rooker plays Rowdy Burns. Carrie Elwes, I want to, I can never pronounce his name. He plays Russ Wheeler.
0: Pronounce Yules
1: okay, thank you. I I think you're right, and I'm wrong, but uh, he plays Russ Wheeler, which becomes uh cold trickles competition, he's also um he works the, the dread pirate team. roberts in princess bride okay. and he's yes, robin hood and right. robin hood men in tights yes yes yes, yes.
0: john c riley makes an appearance let me tell you so i was so thrown first of all randy quaid being a serious role yeah and then also throw john c riley and like you forget like john c riley wasn't always a joke
1: no he and he, you forget how long he's been around
0: yeah and he's like a he was a real actor Yep. And then all of a sudden he did Brothers and became a comedian. Yeah,
1: which uh, he, I mean, served him well because he, his career took off after that. So the plot of the movie, Cole Trickle, who's uh, Tom Cruise,
0: who's flawless in this
1: movie, it doesn't miss a beat. Um, he's racing open wheelers, which are sprint cars, he says, and he wants to race NASCAR. One of my favorite quotes on it is like, uh, Harry's asking him more or less, like, what he knows about NASCAR. He's like, well, I watched it on TV a bunch. He's like, you watch it on TV. It's like ESPN. You'd be surprised how good the coverage
0: is. (laughs) And then another good scene is when they're in the bar and um oh my God, what's his character's name? What's the, what's the, the Harry Hogg? Yeah. He's talking about all the the mechanical things of the car and asking Trickle to tell him like, you know, you got to tell me about the car, what you're feeling. Right. And Trickle's just like, I'm going to be honest. I don't know anything about cars.
1: Yeah, He's like, how is that possible?
0: <laughs> and then it turns out that I couldn't find the name of the NASCAR driver, yeah. but there's this actual cold trickle is based on an actual NASCAR driver. Yeah, You want to know who? What's his name? His name is Tim Richmond. Tim Richmond. Okay. Yes. So Tim Richmond, he's the exact, it's like the story is not based on him, but they got the Very idea. Very loosely. From him. Yes. So like he was a sprint car racer and he knew nothing about cars and this actual thing Happened to him with his uh, pit chief.
1: Do you know who, chiefs, who Rand- So there's more to that story.
0: Well, you know way more about cars than I. The, do
1: my like father cars. is the one who tells me these things. So Randy Quaid's supposed to be Rick Hendrick, which is one of the most successful car owners in all right, of NASCAR. So. That's
0: why I thought you were right. I know that name, Rick Hendrick.
1: And Robert Duvall is supposed to be ha- uh, Harry Hyde, not Harry
0: Hogg, who's uh, a super successful crew chief. So can we talk about how amazing Robert Duvall was in this movie? Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm
1: in, infatuated with this movie. There's not one person. I want to hate Nicole Kidman just because I don't really enjoy her, but you can't. She doesn't miss a beat. I mean, can you say she's the worst actor in this movie? Fine. You could say that. But I there's not a person that, that, that makes this movie in any
0: scene unwatchable or De- unenjoyable. Definitely not. And- Michael Rooker, who knew how good of his acting chops? My God, I was blown away. How this man doesn't have a bigger career than Yandu and uh, what was his name? Merle in Walking Dead. Like, he should have been so much more famous.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I agree with you. I don't, I can't recall. I know he was in that movie, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, that we spoke about earlier in the podcast, but I can't recall another Michael Rooker. and I always, oh he's has a very small role in Tombstone very small.
0: He's got like a like he's one of the two, cowboys where th- well, they lines. call him
1: the cowboys yeah. And uh yeah but I mean yeah I guess he deserved more.
0: And I'm basing this solely on his performance in this movie, but it was outstanding. I I mean, everyone was outstanding. Even John C. Riley, he has this like heartfelt moment talking about his dad in this movie, which I'll I'll get to that later. I think I didn't finish
1: the plot. I think I fanboyed again. So did I. So, uh, So anyway, he comes to Harry Hogg, and uh, they give him the ride, and he just basically works his way through the ranks of NASCAR from being a rookie to winning Daytona at the end of the movie. So so the director, Tony Scott, to touch on him again, this is a ridiculous resume. Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop 2, The Last Boy Scout, True Romance, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State, Man on Fire, and I'll throw in the movie Domino, just because uh, Kieran Knightley and Mickey Rourke are in it. So that to me, is an absurd resume.
0: Well, how about the fact that he directed like a string of five Denzel movies in a row? Yeah, I, there were more. I just stopped
1: because like I didn't want to list his Deja entire Deja The Taking of IMDb. Pelham, One
0: Two Three, Unstoppable. I yeah. mean, this man couldn't miss. And clearly Denzel Washington loved him. I guess when you're a director, if Denzel Washington loves you, you're in good yes so all right so a couple things i want to mention
1: real drivers in the movie okay and watching these cars seeing these old school cars and some of these names it's so nostalgic for me so dr jerry punch he's the guy who does the interviews okay. neil bonnet real driver harry Gant, real driver rusty wallace real driver and richard petty as you mentioned which is he's
0: one of the best nascar drivers of all time especially at this time he was like he was at the top of his career. He too. was on the, on the way down. Well, before we go a little bit further, uh, I have some interesting facts about the shooting of this movie. Okay. They involved cocaine.
1: <laughs> really? Yes. That's interesting.
0: So apparently, this the set of this movie was a complete disaster. Okay. So Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson were the producers of this movie. And they were really involved in movies for one reason. Well, two reasons. Women and Coke? That's it. Okay. So when they first got to to, uh, Daytona to to film the Daytona scenes, Uh the first thing they did was establish themselves in a hotel. They rented a whole floor and they threw, like, this rager where they sectioned off a hotel room for them and Tom Cruise where they brought in, like, multiple call girls and just mounds of cocaine for them to just go nuts with.
1: I feel like Tom Cruise would have never been into that. I don't
0: know if he was actually part of it, but ah. it says that they set this up for,
1: for him, for, for, him. Them. for them, for them, including those
0: him. two. And they were going to allow Tom Cruise it's never actually said Tom Cruise, stepped foot in. Into okay. The party. Okay. They also had a, like ridiculous amount of arguments with Tony Scott in the way of how he was shooting the movie, yeah. which how do you argue with the guy who just directed top gun? I don't know. How do you come in and think you're going to tell the director of Top Gun how to shoot a movie that honestly every single um movie critic in the world said this is just Top Gun on wheels?
1: Yes. <laughs> I would say that when you're sniffing mountains of cocaine, you think that you know everything.
0: <laughs> That's probably true too. So anyway, so they apparently they would argue for hours upon hours on set and they said well, they were-
1: couldn't stop talking. They were high on coke. <laughs>
0: And they would go twenty-hour days, where the actors would just sit in their trailers doing nothing, basically just sleeping the day away, getting paid their full salaries, and they were arguing with Tony Scott about the movie.
1: Well, I never knew that.
0: And the movie went three and a half months past scheduled filming, and got released about a month and a half after it was supposed to be released. And because of that, they wound up getting uh, the release was in June, but they wanted a uh, a late April release. Yeah. Uh, So the uh, Paramount blamed them for the loss of the money in order to keep their contract with Paramount. Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson had to, in total, pay back $20 million to Paramount.
1: Wow, that's crazy.
0: Or give up $20 million of future revenue. I think that's what it was.
1: That's interesting. That's a new part of the movie that I never (laughs) heard before.
0: Uh, I wanted to also bring up before I forget,
1: speaking of Richard Petty's quote about the movie... So I love everything about this movie, with the exception of the fact that the racing that takes place is so far from realistic. The you the, the bumping, the smashing, the spinning people out, taking the other guy out of the race, pushing people into the wall—none of that exists in real NASCAR. So I just want to put that out there. Well, but I can I can accept it, but. Also,
0: it's like, it's how, how unrealistic it is, is comedic. Right. And that's like me with the people shooting guns. Right. Remember? I always, right. I'm like, when we watch yeah, holding the gun under, into the armpit, nobody does that. You don't shoot an elephant gun in your armpit. This is the same thing for you. Like you didn't notice that because you don't know or care. Yeah. I don't know or care how NASCAR actually works. I want it to be crazy. So this makes it better for me.
1: The one scene that I want to reference is when they're pulling Tom Cruise out of the car after the race, his face is filthy and he's like exhausted from the race. Not a thing.
0: That's what I was going to ask. Did their faces get dirty in NASCAR?
1: Maybe back in the day, like a little bit, but not like you work in a coal mine.
0: And now they wear the full helmets. Yeah, yes, they so. wear
1: full helmets now too, yes. All right, so the best way to move on without me spending hours talking about this movie, talk about a couple of my best scenes. When Harry's talking to the car that he's about to build, the chassis, the frame of the car, when he's about to build it and then that montage scene that ensues directly afterwards.
0: Ah, 90s, I love montages in the 90s.
1: Love, that's one of my favorite scenes. Um, The other one was when Cole Trickle mistakes the doctor for another stripper. Oh my God, amazing bro, I was dying. So any good laughing on screen makes me laugh and Robert Duvall seemed like actually really entertained by what just transpired. It really
0: did seem that way and they're either just that good of actors or, it was funny. or they tricked Tom Cruise for real. Yeah. Like he, like, like, none of that was supposed to happen. Like Nicole Kidman didn't know it was going to happen. And like he was just so they thrown.
1: snuck it in, this, in the script or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, f- I don't know. That's just my thought. <laughs> that's fine. And, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You had a thought.
1: No, I was just going down the list of my favorite scenes. Uh, you it, could go.
0: One of my favorite scenes is right after he gets his first win. And they're driving in the car. Yeah. Not not the whole thing with the policewoman that comes after. Yeah. The scene where they're just hanging out and they're just talking in and the they're trailer. Just, and, they're and, in
1: the track, the trailer. And yeah, yeah and
0: they're just talking. Mm-hmm. And John C. Riley, this is what I was alluding at before. John C. Riley tells this story about his father, who used to be a racer, who died in a wreck, yeah. and like how this is what he loved. This is what he loves now. And to me, it was just such a well acted, like non comedic, non action scene in this movie that I thought really just showed. Chops, chops for you know for John C. Riley for Tom Cruise for Robert Duvall, and the, the, that scene just impressed the hell out of me.
1: Yeah, I agree. It was a good scene. And then shortly thereafter, comedy.
0: The comedy, right?
1: <laughs> and uh, the other one I wanted to bring up, and I won't bring up anymore, is the uh, the street race scene.
0: I'm a before the street racing.
1: What was direct what was directly before that? The
0: wheelchair race. Scene. Yeah, the
1: wheelchair race du- leading into the street race. The whole thing was amazing. So what you don't know is in NASCAR, there's two, there used to be two or three, I don't remember if there was always three manufacturers that were the stock cars. There was Ford, Chevy, and it might have been Toyota. Okay. Always. I don't remember that. I'm not the biggest NASCAR fan. But <clears throat> so then they had the Lumina and the Ford Escort. They were racing side by side. And then uh, those were the rental cars, right. and how they kept on flipping back and forth to the guys sitting at the table in the restaurant, like being extremely annoyed that they weren't there yet. And then when they got there, like how they kind of they made friends. That was it. They were
0: they were they. Were, it was like that was did it. We just become best friends. Yup. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. So, all right. I actually wrote that down. I love the fact that they made them best friends. Yeah, it's just it made things so much better because I didn't. I honestly didn't see it coming that they were going to work things out. I thought. This whole movie is about them two. We're going to duke it out at Daytona. Yeah. And I thought this movie went such a better route.
1: Yeah. He's like at the table. He's like, uh, we had car trouble. He's like, I think it was the uh, radiator. Right, Cole? Yeah. He's he's like, yeah, I think it was. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to get into some quotable lines for you. Okay. So these are things that I throw out generally. So in the beginning, when um, Harry Hogg's talking to Randy Quaid, I don't know Randy Quaid's name in the movie. uh, He's like, I got somebody. He's like, Who? He says, take a look at him. And uh, Harry Hogg goes, anybody I got to take a look at ain't somebody. they he goes, then take a look at nobody.
0: So my favorite line in the whole movie is when Tom Cruise, not Tom Cruise, but, you know, his character, Cole Trickle, is first learning how to drive. He pulls in and he's at the pit and Robert Duvall's character is like, He's like, what should I do next? He goes, hit the pace car. What y- for? Yes. Because you hit every other goddamn thing out there. I want you to be perfect. One of my favorite lines. <laughs> I, I have it written down, but you gave it. So that's great. That was, that was phenomenal. And I have a couple of other lines, but that one stood out to me most. All right.
1: I got more. So in the beginning, right before he gets in the car, he says to Harry, Cole says to Harry, let me drive. I won't make a fool out of you. And then immediately after he's driving the car after the first lap he's go he goes I'm dropping a hammer and then it, uh, Harry goes
0: No you're not it, it was really good and I thought everyone played off of each other so well in that scene as well like Michael Rooker clearly was not happy about letting anyone drive his car and he was even more pissed when he found out that like he said like. They beat he beat his speed and they were like this is worse than if you wrecked the car. Yeah, that
1: was that was actually a really good response too. All right, so here's my father's two favorite lines from the movie. You ready? Yes. All right, so Cole's like, he slammed into me. He's like, no, he didn't slam you. He didn't bump you. He didn't nudge you. He rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. And then the other one is... But as you've established, rubbing is not racing. Well, not in the <laughs> sense of what they say. All right, so then the other one, he's like, Cole says on the radio to Harry, he's like, I got a pit. And Harry says, I don't think so. We're very busy now. Cole's like, you yeah, what? He's like, we're eating ice cream. And then... <laughs> the way he, he says drives, ice cream is phenomenal. Yeah, ice cream. Yes. <laughs> and then when he drives by the pit, he looks to his left and he sees them eating ice cream. He's like, Ice cream. <laughs> Like I said, last line I want to go over is towards the end when they're racing Daytona. Well, actually, I got one more after this too. He's like, will it it knock me in the Gantt? Gantt spun out. Like It was just the way he says it. And like again, to go along with how ridiculous the racing is in this movie. If you talk about worse scenes or whatever the case is, the racing was fake as hell. The worst line delivered in the entire movie was at the very end, when uh, Russ Wheeler, who's Carrie Ells, how do you say his name? Yules. Yules. There we go. When Carrie Ewell's he's fighting off Cole. He's like, I know Cole. He always goes to the outside. And he's like, he's going high. He's going low. Like- okay buddy he didn't pull a magic trick
0: calm down <laughs> he literally went to the right then went to the left yeah yeah, that was that was the big move that he made gave him the triple deke from the mighty ducks <laughs> alright I don't have anything
1: uh, else I think I fanboyed enough
0: uh, do you? My, yeah my worst scene in this movie is not just the scene it's the, the whole love interest I don't care I don't I don't I. this movie to me was not about any love story I don't think it even needed to be in there like sure let him have a little fling with Nicole Kidman the whole the whole the whole relationship was inappropriate. This is doctor for God's sake. <laughs> I, it just it was too much. Yeah. Oh, well. and the sweet and low like product yes, placement. I will give you that on Nicole Kidman's <laughs> leg with the racing. Like I will give you that. The, teaching her about drafting. Stop it. So I'll give you that. And then best actor. I mean, it, this is tough for me. I agree. I want nominations I want, then. I want to give it to Tom Cruise just because he's Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. But Robert Duvall was amazing. Mm-hmm. I was blown away by Michael Rooker. So I think I'm giving it to Michael Rooker.
1: All right. I, I, w- I would say either Cruise or Duvall. But I would, I'm going to have to give it to Cruise because this movie wouldn't be what it is without Tom Cruise.
0: Agreed. It's just I did not expect that performance from Rooker.
1: Okay. That's fine. And then worst actor, I mean, I know who you're going to say.
0: Yeah. So- I don't want to say Nicole Kidman. I really don't because she's the only woman in the movie, but it's Nicole Kidman.
1: Yeah. You know what? Thinking about it, I might give it to Carrie Ells. I can't say his name. Ellis. Ewells.
0: Yeah, oh. you know what? No, I'm on board for that because I don't think Nicole Kidman was bad. She didn't do a bad it job. It was just her role was terrible. Like it was, She wasn't given anything they to work. They gave
1: her but. nothing to do. Yeah. Other so, you know than what? being Nicole Kidman.
0: I retract my statement. I'm going with... Yules,
1: <laughs> we gotta really learn how to pronounce this man's name. I don't name think we because do. I love him because he's
0: the worst actor in this movie. So we don't need to pronounce stop.
1: Name how dare you offend this person? I love this man. Oh, how do I forget his role in Twister? The bad guy oh, in that's Twister. Right. Also, just as a last note, I had literally all of the cars from this movie as Matchbox cars as a kid. All of them.
0: It's amazing. Actually, another thing I found in my research was that. These cars were all fake.
1: We mean fake. So like the they cars real were fake. they weren't cars. real
0: bo- uh, stock cars. So yeah. I, I mean, so they, they had might, the they bodies, car- but they might have been real cars, but they didn't fit the requirements of okay of stock cars. I guess is what it meant. I would imagine
1: that that's the case. Those things are expensive.
0: Yes. <laughs> all right. So I'm done fanboying. Thank
1: you for letting me do that. Oh,
0: but I did learn what a stock
1: car is. What that means. Yeah, they're all the, supposed to be the same.
0: I had no idea. Yeah, stock. <laughs>
1: they're all stock.
0: All right. Moving on, number two, a movie I had actually not seen since I'm like four years old. Mm. Five, well, I had to be at least five because it came out when I was five. (laughs) Okay, Uh, Dick Tracy. Okay, earning one hundred and sixty-two point eight million dollars. My mind. extra extra tracy battles i'm taking this bomb out of
1: the headlines i'm rubbing him out hey
0: tracy what's up?
1: you think tracy to me i say we kill tracy now you challenge me we all go down. you
0: gonna arrest me i want to know who killed lips manless not the
1: bad not the bad big boy not the bad i know and i'm gonna miss you but all's fair in love and business whose side are you on
0: the side i'm always on Mine. Okay, boys, let's go. And you are guilty of attempting to bribe an officer of the law. She does some nifty undercover work. I think Tracy drives you crazy, doesn't she? All right, that's enough! I want Tracy dead! Tracy, let's go. Good luck. You have just said goodbye to Oxygen. Aren't you gonna frisk me? Stupid cop. Tracy. Warren Beatty. Is Dick Tracy.
1: That's a lot. I was also very excited to see this movie.
0: Yeah. And we just watched it together and yeah. I had a great time. I had
1: a great time.
0: I mean, it's not a movie that like changed my world, but it's definitely a movie that I wish I was 13, 12, 13 years old again, so I could watch this movie for the first time. Because yes. I think 12 year old me would have loved this movie.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it would have had a bigger impact on you. Uh, there's great faces in this movie. So. Warren Beatty, which I got to tell you that because of my age, I don't understand why Warren Beatty's so famous, but he is like, in from what I understand in Hollywood, which I'm not an insider, he is like uber famous.
0: And I went through his IMDb and there's only two movies that really stood out to me. Yeah. That was Heaven Can Wait. Yeah. And Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. I don't know,
1: but whatever. Madonna. Uh, so Warren Beatty plays Dick Tracy. Madonna plays... Um, a love interest slash gangster, uh, breathless, Al Pacino, who is a gem in this movie. And you know
0: how I feel about Al Pacino. I'm sure the whole Uh, podcast is going to cringe when they learn that I don't like Al Pacino.
1: Okay. So we obviously disagree.
0: Yes. That's okay. And I get it. I know that I'm in the minority here. I, well, I like when we
1: disagree because yeah. it gives me an opportunity to have a conversation. But we've already had this conversation yeah. multiple times throughout our lives. Because so. I
0: think Al Pacino is one of the most overacting actors that has ever acted.
1: Okay, so my counterpoint, and this, I'll leave it at this, is that you're unfamiliar with his earlier roles where he was an actual actor. He became a character, like a caricature of himself himself. But uh, anyway, moving with, on. With
0: that being said, though, the yes. overacting was necessary for this role. Yeah. So like, it was perfect in what he was playing. So he was playing like I, a cartoon character. This is like the third movie I've ever watched with Al Pacino that I enjoyed. Okay. The other being *Devil's Advocate*, mm-hmm. and I love *Heat*. So.
1: Okay. And what about *The Godfather*?
0: I like *The Godfather*. I guess I'm, I'm still not. I, I you know me. I don't like. I don't. You're I don't not a love, gangster movie. Not fan. Italian gangster movies. I okay. with the exception of *Goodfellas*. I, I could take him or leave him.
1: Okay, that's fine. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, even when they're wrong.
0: <laughs>
1: Sorry. All right, so Paul, Sor- Paul Sorvino plays Lips. Dustin Hoffman plays Mumbles.
0: Which He was great.
1: Great as Mumbles. <laughs> Maybe definitely top three, I think.
0: It, it, I, I put it as more of a cameo than it really was a role. He's only right. got like two short scenes, yes. but they were fantastic.
1: But he crushed both
0: the scenes. Yes. About uh, Charlie Cosmo. That's who was next. So Jack and Hook, and he he plays kid in this movie. Jack and Hook, uh, he's the nerd and can hardly wait, and his career kind of ends there because he like went to school and kind of lived a normal life. Yeah, but eight,
1: eight acting credits. He's,
0: he was a fantastic actor. Like, fantastic child
1: actor. Yeah, fantastic. He's in one of my all-time favorite movies, which is Hook.
0: Right, and I might say that he might have been my favorite actor in Dick Tracy. Okay. I thought he was great.
1: James Caan plays Spaldoni, very small part but very small there. but loving. Look, think about the actors that they put on screen together. Like, all these people, and there's more. Kathy Bates was in it. I just didn't write it down because she has, like, a three-second role. Like, how do you get Kathy Bates to do a, a, a an insignificant part where you can barely tell it's Kathy Bates?
0: Yeah, what'd she play? She played the stenographer, right? Yeah, and, was and she in. was
1: on screen for less than 60 seconds.
0: Probably less than 30 seconds. It was a quick, she said one line. So, And I, I didn't even recognize you, you had to point her out to me. Yeah. Uh, and then Mandy Patinkin, who we both missed. Yes, yeah, and, I mean, there's a lot of people
1: in this movie. And Mandy
0: Petinkin played a pretty significant role. He was 88 keys. But you couldn't tell it was him. No, it was weird. He didn't look like Mandy Patinkin.
1: All right, so the plot is very simple. Tracy's just trying to nab Big Boy. That's really all the movie boils down to.
0: Oh, by the way, this movie was also directed by Warren Beatty.
1: Yes. All right, so I, I did a little bit of research on Warren Beatty. He's nominated for 14 Academy Awards, including Best Actor, Best Picture, Best Director, best original screenplay and best adapted screenplay. So he's loved for the little bit of work that he's done.
0: Clearly knows what he's doing. Listen, I wasn't blown away by his performance, but he did a good job.
1: There was nothing wrong there was with nothing his performance. Wrong with it. It I thought he did a very good job. I
0: thought it was good. I like I said, was,
1: this isn't like a character piece where like you're going to
0: I get it. It's it's a satire, like it's supposed to be yeah. a little bit like fun and whimsical like uh, comic book movie. I get it. It's supposed to be like a comic strip is coming to live on the film. And I thought he was great. Not, not great. I thought he was good. I, I Like I said, I wasn't blown away, but it wasn't bad either.
1: Um, also, this movie, since we're talking about Oscars, was, uh, was a winner of Best Set Direction, Best Makeup, Best Music, and Pacino was nominated for Best Supporting Actor.
0: Which I'm okay with. Uh, the only one I'm not okay with is the Best Music. I mean, I guess because it's or the, the original in, music and right, Madonna, original and how it fits into the the movie. So that makes sense, I guess. But, but
1: you're but, also talking about 1990 Madonna, who was like a superstar. True.
0: Um, but look, can we talk about the set, the settings in this movie? Please. They were brilliant. The, the camera angles, the shots. This movie, like, this is where Warren Beatty show, like really shine in this movie was his directing. Because yes. I loved. Every single shot in this movie, there wasn't one scene change that I wasn't like, "Wow, look at that shot! Oh, that's great perspective."
1: Well, they, they in my opinion, they set it up to each shot was set up to look like a frame of a comic strip. So, like how there was something in way in the foreground, something in the midground, something in the background,
0: and it was always you always had that pan into to each new scene, and it was always it was like animated pan into real, yeah, and it was.
1: Amazing. And then I, I really like too, all the, the drastic color, contrasting colors, the bright red, the bright yellow, the, 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 the green the deep green. Yes. Yeah. So yes. It, they kept true to the comic book.
0: I also really loved the whole intro. So you had that 1930s radio exposition being given to you to, to explain what's going on in the movie. Yeah. And I always... So in the, in the 90s, you have this big thing where every opening credit scene needs to be like this big, like... This production production, but they didn't, they, they made it a part of the movie, which is really what people started doing later in the nineties and more into the 2000s. And now what we have is the credits kind of just roll as the movie starting. Um, but I love creative ways for exposition. Yeah. And this to me was phenomenal. You just had that. And then he, he was a kind of a narrator throughout the whole movie, but not really narrating. He just gave you the exposition you needed throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And it was just really well done. He had that 1930s, uh, radio voice it was, and it was fun.
1: Yeah, I liked it.
0: So, which talking about some favorite scenes? So, my favorite scene was when they are uh, trying to bribe Tracy. Yeah, and they have him like kind of like tied up, and he de- he uh, d- he doesn't give into it. And they uh, the, ki- the kid gets all excited and pumps his fist in excitement that his hero is staying his hero. And then Kit's got to get in and get him out before the boiler explodes. It, It was just, you know, exciting. That was a good good scene.
1: Yeah. Not a good scene, but had me dying laughing in the beginning when uh, they're playing whatever gambling game they are in in the uh, warehouse and they got the cat roaming around. They thought it was someone. The guy grabs the cat and tosses it and and it gives another cat
0: scream. I got to ask is this like a thing that they loved in 1990? This is like our fourth straight month where a cat gets thrown or kicked or. Throws up on everyone. It's yeah. like, what do we have? We had it in that Kirstie Alley movie. Yeah. We had the cat with Lou Diamond Phillips in uh, First Sign. Yeah. Then we got a cat in Dick Tracy. Why are there so many cats just meowing loudly and screeching? What, what is this? I
1: don't know, but it entertains me. So, <laughs> except for the Kirstie Alley one, that was atrocious.
0: Oh, that was the worst. Uh, worst scene. <laughs> uh, well, hold on. I got I'm more nominations. That That's right. I have
1: more nominations. So, when they're sweating mumbles in the beginning, under the lights, and he's—you can't understand what he's saying. I thought Dustin Hoffman was doing a great job.
0: I, the funniest part is that they have this. Was it a polar bear? A polar bear water with cooler. A water cooler. Yeah. But like the water cooler part, like with the the spout is on its dick. And yes. It's
1: like, <laughs> but that was that was also what? a hidden uh, tape recorder. Right,
0: and just ridiculous, and I love it. Yeah. And I, I I really like like they really went to lengths to be ridiculous at certain points in this movie, and it worked. Um,
1: setting up Tracy scene that that was the the setting up of Tracy with eighty eight keys. Oh,
0: fantastic! And he's yelling from uh, up the stairs in the motel. Yes, uh, Yo, When fantastic he
1: scene. he had he he delivered the lines like an act like somebody that was auditioning for a movie role. But I thought he did such a great job doing it. Like, and I it don't makes know. sense
0: now that it's Mandy Patinkin because yeah, clear acting chops in that man.
1: And I I'm gonna have to tell you my. My favorite little tiny scene of the entire movie is Pacino when he's like, we're being, we're being bugged, we're being bugged. And he's looking up <laughs> like his, the face that he's making when he's looking up and the way his mouth shapes. It's just, it gets me every time. I find it immensely entertaining.
0: Um, I also really loved. So once they, fo- before that whole whole thing happens, um, they've shown the whole montage of uh, when, when they, I forgot which character it was that was up in the ceiling but he's listening to everything that yeah, Big the Boy's cops. saying and they're relaying all the information to Tracy and they do the whole montage of Dick Tracy just taking everybody down and at one point he punches one guy up, but it wasn't knocking out like 12 other
1: guys yeah they were standing like bowling pins and he knocks them all down yeah that so, was very good I, also another montage
0: Yes, the montages—they—they—they're they're really starting to hit hard here, I, and I think the best movies in the '90s had montages. Um, going back to the Pacino scene when he finds the bug, yeah. When he gives the fake order on the phone, and like he, like he's yeah. like laughing, trying to try to subdue his laugh, and he's covering his mouth like he's a little schoolgirl, like, yeah, trying not to get in trouble in class.
1: Yes, that that was good.
0: Yeah. Right, I, I he, Pacino grew on me a lot in this movie. I got to be
1: honest. All right, what is the, some quotable
0: lines? Um. Well, first of all, Madonna was just supposed to be like this, like sexy, sexy, thirsty, like woman just all over Dick Tracy. Mm. I mean, we we figure out why in the end when she turns out, you know, spoiler alert, she's the bad guy. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> they're talking about whatever, and and Dick Tracy's like, oh, g- I could take you under the lights at the station and make you sweat it out, and she goes. I sweat better in the dark.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I did appreciate that. I think my favorite exchange of the entire movie was in the beginning. So... Madonna sits down with lips, Paul Sorvino, who's her apparent boyfriend at the time, and she goes to lips lips is slurping down oysters, one after another, plate oh, that, after that plate. It was disgusting. Man. It was disgusting on purpose, yes. So Madonna goes, You mind if I leave? And he goes, Why? She goes, I get sick when you eat. He says, You didn't used to. She goes, You didn't used to be a Zeppelin.
0: <laughs> 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 that's a bro, that's such a great line. It really was. And I'm not this, – was this Madonna's one of her – this is one of her first roles, but is it her first role? I don't know. I no, actually, definitely
1: no, definitely a not. A lot of movies in the 80s.
0: Yeah. Well, I got to be – she's a good actress. Yeah, she's got chops. Yeah. I mean, League of Their Own was great. This was great. I, I wasn't expecting her to be this good in this movie, and she was. She entertained me. I got I got more
1: quotable lines. you have anything else? Um,
0: uh, Nothing I want to – oh, wait. The part where uh, when Kid Saves Dick Tracy, they're giving him an, an award, and they – the, the detective or the lieutenant or whoever it was is giving him word. And he goes, the kid whose name will be filled in when he thinks of one. <laughs> the, the whole movie, he's trying to tell him, you gotta think of a name. You gotta have a name. You can't be kid. You can't be kid. Yeah. Um,
1: I like that. I like when they when they uh, slowed down the tape for Mumbles. Yes. And it turns out to be Big Boy Did It. Yes. Big Boy Did It. And it's, uh, and it's literally it.
0: just clearly Yeah. Uh, Dustin Hoffman just saying it. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't make it out
1: once, unless they slowed down the tape. I thought fantastic, that was
0: fantastic, <laughs> fantastic.
1: And then towards the end, when uh, when uh, Tracy and Breathless are having an exchange, and uh, he asks her, uh, "No tears for lips," and she goes, "I'm wearing black underwear."
0: <laughs> I thought
1: that was a witty comeback.
0: Yes, very good. By the way, so this clearly is a movie for kids,
1: right? It, yeah, or is there it was not? A, there was a semi-nude Madonna but at I one can't point. Tell you saw nip. Yes, Uh, if you're 13, that's a score.
0: It's it's very exciting at 13. Yeah. Uh, Worst scene. Worst scene for me was when Al Pacino or what's big big boy first takes out what was the first bad guy's name? Lips. Lips. No. Yeah, it was. It was lips. Yeah, Uh, Yeah.
1: So Pacino, you're saying big boy takes out lips.
0: Big boy takes out lips. He takes over his nightclub. And he's uh, making Madonna practice the whole dance song routine, yeah. and I get that it's supposed he's being to be annoying. Misogynistic and he's supposed and- to be, and he's supposed to. Be, but I just found the whole scene annoying. Like I got it already. He's the bad guy. He's he's misogynistic. Yeah. I, I get all that. I didn't need that scene. Yeah, he's not a good person. Annoying. right? And I think we even said at one point during the movie this. It could have been twenty, 10 minutes, to 20 short. minutes shorter.
1: I, I listen. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, but I it could have been twenty minutes shorter.
0: And I think right there, there's a there's a four to five minute scene you could have easily taken out, and it wouldn't have changed the movie.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, my worst scene
1: is I'm just nitpicking, but it's Tracy. At towards the end, they nab the one cop. Tracy comes and saves him, takes his place in the cement, and then like because his guns filled with cement, it won't shoot. <laughs> Why did you go in the cement? Why did you need to be in the cement? The, uh, the 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 element of surprise was there without you being in the cement because the the bad guys backs were turned doing something else. Or
0: let's say you had to go in the cement. Fine. Why did you bring the gun in the cement? You 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 have to know that's going to cause problems.
1: Yeah. Cement and guns, I would imagine not knowing much about them are not a good combination.
0: I may not know in real life what cement will do to a gun. But in comic books and cartoons, I promise you, every single time... Yeah, it's going to jam it. It's going to jam the gun. Every time. (laughs) All right.
1: Well, look, um, obviously, we love this movie.
0: Oh, one more thing I wanted to say that I loved throughout this whole movie was the whole uh, Dick Tracy's supposed to be the tough guy, but he's got that soft side and refuses to give into it. And guess what? He never gives into it, but you You, know it's there.
1: Yes. I love... That was... That you pointed out and say it with that phrasing, that is... Very endearing, like how even at the very end, you think that he's going to propose to uh Tess and he just can't get the so, words out, so he out. Just throws, the so ring he at throws her? a ring at her. And it's like, What does he say? You're <laughs> he one, in, one a in a million, yeah.
0: Or when uh, the kid changes his name to Dick, Dick Tracy Jr., and and he, you're he, waiting for him to shed a tear, and he's holding it too. And you can see he's like sucking the tear back in his eye, it yeah. It won't shed a tear, he won't do it. But
1: you know that he wanted to. Uh-huh. I thought that was very well played.
0: Yes, it was awesome. You yeah, know what, so I take back what I said about Machine. He was great. Yeah. I, <laughs> I I'm taking back a lot of things. That's okay.
1: I'm glad I'm convincing you that I'm right. Excellent. All right. So last movie, which yes. I thought was the worst of the three. Really? I'm definitely not going to be in uh,
0: in the majority of my opinion <sighs> here. Come on, man. I mean- He's definitely not as good as I remember, but coming in at number one for the month of June 1990, Total Recall.
1: Your mind. It is the center of your life. It is everything
0: you hear. Everything you see. Everything
1: you feel, it is everything you are.
0: How would you know if someone stole your mind? Arrest that woman! Quaid. Cut.
1: Get ready for a surprise. You can't let him run around. He knows too much. They've got your bug. I get a lock. There! And the bug's in your skull. Take this thing out of the case and stick it up your nose. Don't worry, it's self-guiding. Got him. I lost him. Well. You got a lot of nerve showing your face around here. Look who's talking.
0: You erased your identity and implanted a new one.
1: If I'm not me, who the hell am I? (laughs) He's got a hologram. Welcome to Johnny Cab. Drive. Where can I take you tonight?
0: Please fasten your seatbelt. I want Clay delivered alive for reimplantation. That's for making me come to Mars. You wouldn't hurt me. After all, we're married.
1: Consider that a divorce. We hope you enjoyed
0: the ride. Earning $261 million. That's that's an insane amount of money. With a $65 million budget. That's now, great. When you put Arnold Schwarzenegger in a movie and you keep your budget at 65 million or under, you've done a good job.
1: Late 80s, early 90s, this Arnold, is, you're going to you're going to cash in. Top-notch Arnold. But so, look, I love Arnold and I am a huge fan of what you don't get in movies anymore, which is what Arnold puts on film. With Sylvester Stallone, Used to put on film, but in my opinion, not as good as what Arnold would do. One guy with one gun taking out thirty guys with thirty guns. Like you don't get those movies anymore.
0: They're getting shot at by thirty people, but not getting hit by one bullet.
1: And then taking them all out with yes. like a nine millimeter yes. or something. Yes, like you don't get those movies anymore. And Arnold did that. Predator, one of my all-time favorite movies. You don't. True Lies.
0: Like I know True Lies was almost love. like a parody. I love. But it's True a
1: great Lies. movie.
0: Yeah, but they, see, but that's the thing about Arnold, right? Like so. Arnold knows he's not a good actor. He knows who he is. He knows he's not a good actor. I I disagree,
1: though. I disagree that he's not a good actor.
0: He knows he's not your typical good actor. He knows what he is. is. Right. And he plays into it hard. He he steers right into that that skid. And he pulls it off miraculously in every movie. I mean, can you name an Arnold movie that you didn't enjoy? Besides maybe Conan the Barbarian, which... Stop. I love that movie. Do you? I mean, it was his first movie and it was like... He didn't really know who he was yet. So. That was the
1: time, though. That swords and sorcerers thing was a, was, was a thing of the time. I hated swords and
0: sorcery movies. In, in 80s. eighty,
1: you go back to the 80s, you could find an abundance of those movies that were horrific. Yeah. So anyway, my point was I like Total Recall. Another movie could have been 20 minutes shorter. And also definitely not my favorite Arnie movie.
0: I agree with you there because I remember going into this movie well, I remember it was yesterday. <laughs> so I saw. watching I remember this, like it was yesterday yeah, because it was. So I started I went to turn the movie on and I'm like I can't wait and I'm watching the movie and I'm like all right yeah it's it's good. It's not, serviceable. Not nearly as good as I remembered it to be. But at the same rate I still loved it.
1: All right, so let me tell you what I didn't like before I forget to make the point. I felt like there was way too many sets. Nothing was shot like on location, and everything felt so claustrophobic. And I didn't like the the dirtiness of it. That the, the tone the tone and the feel of the movie of the movie, excuse me, made me feel physically uncomfortable.
0: But I think that's the whole point. Everything on Mars is supposed to be like claustrophobic and dirty and uncomfortable. I mean, why else do you make a, a whole world of mutants? stuck in a bubble like i mean what do you expect to happen like that that's what they want you to feel because they want you to feel what they're feeling okay and and i think that proves the point that they did a good job i'll agree
1: with you there then i'll just defer to i'll I'll relent and say that it's not my cup of tea same way gangster movies aren't your cup of tea well
0: i love science fiction movies so do do i I, but I,
1: i don't like movies that have that feel and that tone that dirty gritty Plus, I just don't like them.
0: Okay, fair enough. What I didn't like about this movie is, like, the whole idea that, like, I hate having to accept something because (laughs) they didn't have the CGI for it at the time. Yeah. Right. So, in my opinion, there are things that they could have done better in this movie if they had left them out or changed them. So, the whole him pretending to be the woman in the line for customs at Mars, like, with the fake head that's, like, clearly, like uh animatronic no, it's not even animatronic it's no, it it's was. stop it's stop motion
1: okay well, either way i i so i'm going to, i'm going to agree with you except for exactly what you just said i thought that out of all the the practical effects that they did. And there was a lot of them in this movie. I thought that that was by far the best one and done pretty well. well
0: Cause the claymation stuff too, was hard to deal with, with the, the, the faces. Yeah. The faces. Like, mm-hmm. right. Um, I, but they did do a pretty good job with mutants. I thought. Yeah. Um, all right, but let's, oh, back-track. So let's backtrack a little bit. So director.
1: Oh no, hold up. Who's in it. Arnold obviously is Quaid. Sharon Stone is Laurie. Michael Ironside, who I'd like to see his face, is Richter.
0: Rachel Ticketon as uh, what was her name?
1: Mel- Melia, Melina. Melina. Melina, Sorry.
0: Um, all right, so I. Ronnie Cox was CoHagan.
1: Uh, yeah, go ahead if you have more.
0: Um, that's all I got. Oh, Dean Norris was in this movie.
1: I don't know who he is by he the was name. He's
0: Hank in Breaking Bad.
1: I don't know Breaking Bad. So. Uh, My apologies.
0: But he I, just played the uh, one of the uh, mutants.
1: So Rachel Ticketon, I I was like, "Who's this girl?" In like two movies, I have no idea who she is. I IMDb'd her, come to find out, Con Air. She's yeah, she's <laughs> Sally. Uh, Guard Sally Bishop in Con Air. She's in a movie called Critical Condition with Richard Pryor that I've never seen. She's in Falling Down in 93. And she's in one of, again, I have a lot of favorite movies. One of my all-time favorites, Don Juan DeMarco with Johnny Depp in 94. Uh, I believe she was that Spanish love interest
0: that he had early on in his youth in the movie.
1: Okay. So
0: interesting enough, she's uh, half Puerto Rican, half Russian. Well, that's a
1: nice combination
0: yes um Di-
1: directed by
0: directed by i'm definitely gonna mispronounce his name paul there verhoven
1: yeah verhoven
0: um who directed robocop nice showgirls terrible <laughs> terrible starship troopers which that's is a like great movie all-time favorite of mine <laughs> which i actually learned something uh listening to another podcast talk about total recall today yeah <laughs> about uh starship troopers i'll give it. Uh, I guess a plug to uh, the rewatchables, which is like my all-time favorite podcast. To listen to right now, check uh-huh. it out. Um, they were talking about this, and they were talking about Star- S- Starship Troopers. So apparently, Casper Van Dien, right? That's the main Yeah. Guy. So he, they told him when they were filming this movie that it was a serious movie, but the whole point of the movie is it's a satire on like war movies and science fiction. So <laughs> it's supposed to be a comedy about science fiction. Everyone else knew it was a joke, and everyone else knew that Casper Van Dien thought it was. A serious, serious movie. movie. That's great. So that's how so the whole he movie, played it, stone cold, <laughs> stone cold serious. While well, everyone else knew it wasn't on the joke, except him.
1: That's amazing. So that's yeah. why you get that that feel that you don't really get from any other movie right. in that.
0: But I should probably have saved that from when we talk about Starship Troopers in about six years. <laughs> nah, I'm good with that. We'll bring it up again. I'll I'll have forgotten by then. All right. So Paul Verhoeven also directed Basic Instinct. Yeah, and obviously Sharon St- Sharon Stone's in this movie. Yeah. Um. This, so this was one of Sharon's... She had a couple of, like, small roles before this movie. This is her first, like, big chance at at acting. And apparently Arnold Schwarzenegger was really impressed about how much time Sharon Stone put into the physical training for this movie. Yeah, she was doing great with those kicks and right. everything. Apparently, she she took like jujitsu. She took multiple martial arts. Took learns. it super seriously. Taekwondo, like took it super seriously to learn how to actually fight. Mm. And also got like, like she was, you could tell she's very ripped in this movie. Mm. Like he said she was working out like an animal. So Coming
1: from Arnie, that's a compliment. Right.
0: Exactly. So the whole thing is Sharon Stone was a nobody coming into this. She was just hired because she was a pretty face, but she took it seriously. She showed what her acting chops were, and, and this landed her basic instinct. That's awesome. Because, Good for her. Yeah, because Paul Verhoeven was actually in the works for casting basic instinct while they were filming this movie, and he was like, it's her.
1: Can I... I, I, need, a, I need a confession. Never seen basic instinct.
0: I've only seen one scene of basic instinct. <laughs> well... Uh, we got to make it a point to watch it. Then. Well, obviously, well, it comes out in the '90s, so we're gonna watch it. That's, All right. And it was like
1: a big I'll movie. leave it. I'll I'll not watch it until the podcast. Absolutely. All right. So the plot of the movie is very convoluted. So wait, wait.
0: I have more. I have more notes on interesting facts. Oh, I apologize. This one I have to share because this I saw on a random Facebook post a while back. Uh huh. So Arnold Schwarzenegger noticed that Michael Ironside was very distracted during the filming of this movie. I mm-hmm. couldn't focus when they were filming and was always on the telephone when they were uh, between takes. Mm-hmm. So, Arnold, being the lovely human being that he is, approached Michael Ironside and said, What's the matter? What's going on? Turns out Michael Ironside's sister had just been diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. and she was going through chemotherapy and he was very worried about her. Mm-hmm. So, what did Arnold do? He took three hours on the phone that day to talk to Michael Ironside's sister to give her advice for nutrition, exercising. To help and make her as healthy as possible to help her get beat, through. the Beat the cancer. Well, I don't know if she beat it or not. I couldn't necessarily find that part. But the fact like Arnold's a great person. Yeah. Yeah. And the last interesting fact I have for this movie. Mm-hmm. Do you know who was originally cast to play Quaid? No. The Sways. Oh. <laughs> that is not a good look. Arnold was a good move.
1: Yeah. See, you think that, though, like that happens so often on almost, I guess, every movie in Hollywood where somebody else was almost cast and then you think, oh. But he was cast. Oh, was he? He was cast. And what happened? They
0: changed directors and the director decided to go with Arnold.
1: Loved Swayze but didn't want to see him in this role, so. Right. I, I, I love the amount of grunts. I love Arnold grunts, the <laughs> da and all that. I love those grunts and you get so many of them in this movie. You don't Non-stop,
0: get a lot of, especially the last 10 minutes of the movie. You don't get a lot of Arnie one liners in this movie, but, but you get quite possibly the best Arnie one liner. Uh,
1: well, uh, okay. I, I, I will get to that, yes. but you get a lot of the grunts and I love the Arnie grunts. All right. So back to the plot. What's all the movie about? Cause right. it's hard for me to explain it. It's,
0: I think it's, I think it's actually pretty simple construction worker is sick of his job sick of his life it's boring he wants an adventure and it's in the future there there are trips you can travel to mars you can travel to venus but there's also this new thing called total not total it's called recall recall, yeah where you can have memories implanted into your brain like you had a vacation for Mm. a tenth of the cost Mm -hmm. so he decides he's going to stop in and get a memory implanted of visiting mars Mm -hmm. they ask him if he wants to add in a secret agent. Package. package. He does. Mm-hmm. And he goes in before they start implanting the memories. He freaks out. It turns out Arnold is not just a construction worker. He actually is a secret agent. Right. Which leads you into this whole thing of, well, is this real or is this all in his head? Yeah. And you never actually really figure it out. That's how I see the movie. Well, at the end,
1: I think the the they kind of summed it up when the air came back to Mars. They never really, after that scene, they never gave you any inkling as to whether or not it was real or not. So I thought that it was just real. Right.
0: So the whole premise of the movie is they wiped his memory. Yeah. And because they just, they just needed him to not know what, what he, the memories he had, which kind of threw me off the whole movie because it was like, well, why wouldn't they just kill him? If you have him, you can, you can wipe his memory. Why not just kill him? But yeah. anyway, turns I, out Sharon Stone's not his real wife. Yeah. Uh, He's, well this that's isn't the thing that, that's
1: the part that could, that was when I was younger I understood it because I paid attention to it this time frame by frame so I understood what was going on, what was going on but when I was younger <clears throat> hard to discern what was real what timeline you were on who he was who he was supposed to be because he's supposed to be Quaid. he's supposed to be the other guy he doesn't know who he is he's actually both and then the the um Catoto. Quaid-o, Quattro Whatever it was, yeah. the little alien thing. The baby in the belly. Yeah. That's what I call him. Oh, so disgusting. <laughs> yes. And it says something so profound. He says, a man's not, a man's what he does. A man's not his memory. So then he decides to be the person that he wants to be, which is the, turns out to be the good guy.
0: Right. But that wasn't my question. My question was,
1: Did you pose a question? I don't remember. Yes, I
0: did. You started (laughs) answering it and then just like drifted off. Sorry. (laughs) No, I said, I don't understand why they would erase his memories and not just kill him. And obviously in the end, we find out why and we'll get there. But it it doesn't hold throughout the entire movie until the last five minutes. But Uh, anyway. All right. So what do you got for best scenes? All right. So for me, the absolute best scene of this whole movie is when they're on Mars. Um... He's in the hotel room and he's like hiding out because he's trying to figure out where to go next because Melania or whatever her name is, Melania, basically Mal- shut him down and said she's not going to help.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: <clears throat> so he's hiding out in his hotel room, and the guy shows up. and says he's a doctor and he's there to explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's basically saying you're still in the simulation. You're, right. You're. You're, you're, this, you're. This is all in your head. And then the bead of sweat rolls down the doctor's face. And that's when Arnold knows, no, this is real because why would he be sweating?
1: Yes, I did like that. That little, the little nuance.
0: And then that leads to a whole nother fight scene, which ends with Arnold shooting Sharon Stone in the head. And what does he say? Consider that a divorce. (laughs) That's one of my favorite lines. I think it is the best Arnold one-liner of all time.
1: All right. So being that we're there. uh, So my best scene before I forget. Which you already shit on, but I'll still say it was uh, the woman, the scene with the woman with the um, in the airport with the the head that blows up. I just thought that there was a lot of bad practical effects in this movie, and a lot of bad CGI with the skeletons running through the X-ray and. And I thought that that one scene was done very well.
0: Okay, so. but I also felt that scene was unnecessary because what? Why? Why wasn't he just going through as himself? I mean... They were looking for him. Right, but... Okay, so how about this? Where did he get that costume?
1: He got it from the... Okay. If you want me to... Yes the guy outside his window when he was in the hotel that left the briefcase for him the head was in there you see oh, it at one point
0: i missed that yeah. okay so now maybe i like it a little bit better the scene i still think all the the effects it was unnecessary
1: look i'll i'll give you the fact that it was unnecessary but if they're looking to just showcase what they could do with the cgi or with the practical effects excuse me i think that they did a good job in that scene i think which,
0: i need to just get more in the mindset that it is 1990 and yeah that the this i remember- I remember, have- I
1: remember watching the skeleton scenes going through the x-rays being like, whoa, look at that. Like, So it wasn't... Yeah, so it's me. It's not the movie. Well, it's all a right. little bit of the movie because the practical effects are always bad. Like even in The Thing, which has amazing practical effects, they're still not that good. Yeah, it's true. So anyway, all right. That was my best scene. Well, uh,
0: I also love... Quotable lines, do you have? Or are we well, still i we just add one more scene. Okay. When he first starts to lose his mind at recall, mm-hmm. and it's not even, and he's flipping out, and it's just great Arnold noises. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they put him out, they shoot him like a thousand times with the trank. Yes. And then the one doctor like flips out about, it. he's like, it's the agency, it's the agency. And the other female doctor just turns and smacks yes. him hard across the face, and, and that's it. Yes, yeah. So shut up. I love
1: that. It's just so aggressive. I also, I thought that. So they gave him one shot, as big a man as he was, and it put him to sleep within minutes, right? Right. They must have given him five to seven shots.
0: Might that have killed him? It was more than seven. She was pounding him in there, right? I was like, oh, that might not be healthy. (laughs) Oh, can we talk about the escalator scene? What escalators scene? When he's going up, he's running from the bad guys. He's up to get, going up the escalator. They're below him, then now they're above him. Yes. And they start shooting, and they shoot this guy that's in front of him. Oh, they're and, pumping bullets at him. And, and Arnold just uses them as a human shield, and they must have shot him 8,000 times. That was just ridiculous. Yes.
1: It was super aggressive.
0: I remember he was like a bloody mess. Oh, my God. And they just kept shooting him, and then he throws him at them at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> oh, might as
1: well use him as a weapon also. <laughs> All right, so
0: quotable lines. Uh, you brought
1: this up, but when I watched it, I I, I agreed with you. When um, Sharon Stone tries to get him to sleep with her one more time, so she can stall, so the bad guys could come and get Arnold. Clever girl. Yes, he gives her the clever girl. <laughs>
0: like he says it in the same accent as in Jurassic Park,
1: which is an immediate Jurassic Park reference for <laughs> right. us, right?
0: Which and this came out first, so I guess Jurassic Park was quoting Total Recall. <laughs>
1: I'll accept that.
0: And then he immediately knocks her out, and
1: he gives an Arnie one. He gives an Arnie one-liner. Nice knowing you. No, I have written down.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, what's another good line? All right, I take this one. So between Michael Ironside character Richter and one of the other henchmen, he's like, uh, "I want that guy dead." He's like, I hear you, man. I wouldn't want a guy like Quaid Pork and my old lady. And then Richter's like, you saying she liked it? He's like, no, I'm sure she hated every minute of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but also, all right. So here's the part that also throws me off. So if Sharon Stone is this guy's, like, woman, I guess, that's what you want to say, why is she the one implanted as Arnold's wife for him to, like, be doing all these things with? Like, it's like, it's your, it's supposed, I'm getting ahead of myself, but of course Arnold turns out to be the bad guy, right? And he's in cahoots with Cohagen. Yep. So why did Cohagen put his girlfriend in with Arnold when Arnold's his best friend and this is his girlfriend?
1: Yeah, actually, that doesn't make, I didn't even think (laughs) about that. That makes no sense.
0: And then he's so jealous of it, but they're best friends. Yeah. (laughs) All
1: right. And then uh, one last quotable line. The, the the mutant that's trying to kill Arnie at the end with the 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 plow machine, the right, digging the, machine, the, the drill. Yeah. The, okay. <laughs> it's a big machine, and I didn't know what proper name to give it, so I I use very small words. Okay. All right, so then Arnie, gra- a big word. Arnie grabs the other drill, the handheld drill, and punches it through the, the side of the machine and into the guy. who yells,
0: screw you. <laughs> I thought that was a good one. All right, so this is completely out of co- I don't know what context this was used in it, yeah. but I just remember Arnold going, relax, you live longer. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what he was saying, why he was saying No, it. he was saying that to the guy with the, the the face in the the whorehouse. Oh, right. And then, yeah. by the way, that guy with the face in the whorehouse, that is um, – the guy from Breaking Bad.
1: Okay. All right. So uh, notes quickly. The TriStar intro and the Carol Co. intro. The TriStar with the horse mm-hmm. and the carol Co. with yep. the sea and the music just brought me right back to childhood. Also... What about uh, the secretary changing her nail color with the pen? Gina, now I, all
0: right, so I got my wife to watch this movie with me, and she hated everything about this movie except that part. <laughs>
1: what a girl. <laughs> Just typical
0: girl. Yes.
1: Bro, also, I don't understand the, the fashion in which the towel is
0: folded on his head. I don't get how... Why is he so good at that? And like, where was, did he learn to do it's that? Like, he like just found a turban already turbaned. Yes, is, is that, is that I, I, after tie? assessing
1: it, I was like, "This looks like a turban." Like, so how did he fold it like that? He's
0: that good. He's Arnold, man. He can do anything. All right. So anyway, I, I gotta say, I love the, I love the idea at the end of the movie that it turns out Arnold is the bad guy and he implanted himself, like he erased his own memory. Yeah, that, that that's pretty cool. All right. So, worst scenes towards
1: the end, uh, when he's using the hologram. Yes. And the, the the army, the bad guy army, whatever, surrounding him. So they literally encircled him, and they're all shooting at him, but none of them shoot each other? Yeah. That's I, a physical impossibility. But in,
0: a, in a movie where there are multiple times where Arnold's getting shot up by 10 or more people and not getting hit? Okay. But also, you put... Me and you in front
1: of each other with something in between it that's not there and we shoot at that thing, we're going to shoot each other. There's no way around and it. Why
0: not use that as a way of taking out some of these guys? Yes.
1: Yeah. It could have been done better. <laughs> and then lastly, my I, the last uh, worst scene is at the very end when they fall down the cliff and their eyes are bugging out of their yes, heads this again. this is what I had written down. I'm not sure they would have
0: recovered from that. Yeah, that's exactly what. Right. And they didn't just recover; they immediately recovered. Yeah, like. And also, let, let's say this thing really does melt the glacier and release the oxygen into the atmosphere and create an atmosphere on Mars. Okay, so you tell me that it only takes 15 seconds. i I mean, who know, <laughs> like that's far fetched, but okay. So I don't understand the logistics physics, or the
1: physics of how that would right, work. So I'll were, accept that. But he he was his eyes were three quarters of the way out of his head.
0: His face was exploding.
1: Yeah, he's enlarged and and then it would still be swollen, right? Ten seconds later, he's okay and like he gets up and like shit, like brushes himself off and he's good. Right.
0: I'm okay with him recovering from it eventually. Yeah, in a hospital six months later. But also, we didn't need to drag it out that long. It could have been that he was just his face was getting sucked out for like three seconds and then okay, then I can believe he recovers. I well, got. You. I think this and that movie, was my scene too, and I hated it. I it, it just it doesn't make any sense. Even I think in this sci fi w- world.
1: I think this movie took liberties when it could to showcase what it could do with the practical effects. But
0: I also love Arnold.
1: Yeah, well, like, uh, look, uh, disclaimer: my wife hates Arnold and every movie he's Boo. ever done. Yes, but I, I love Arnie and everything he's ever like, done.
0: How good is the scene where they they're gonna rewipe their memories? And they're inviting him to the party, whatever, and then Arnold's gotta escape from the chair. And he rips the thing out, and it's got like this little like big b- like this big like nail nail, stick it out Spike. and he just punches it into the guy's chest. Yeah. Then he pulls a bar off the wall and shoves it through the guy's head. Yep. Like, love, love yeah. Arnold's impossible yet fun to watch killing of people.
1: Yes. Very good. Out of ten stars, I don't know. I would give it a seven. But my inclination to watch it would be higher, be, simply because you get to watch Arnie on screen.
0: I agree, and I had, like I said, I had a fun time with this movie, but not as fun as I remembered.
1: All right. Well, look, all in all, probably the best month that we've had. I get to, I get to, re, we got to review a Tom Cruise movie. We got to re, Sorry, we got to rewatch a Tom Cruise movie. I got to watch it for the first time. Which I'm so glad that you liked it. We Love got the we got to watch Dick Tracy, this is a childhood seen classic. That since I'm a
0: little kid and we and got to watch it it.
1: we got to rewatch an Arnie movie,
0: and I like that a lot. Too. And Did one I... that
1: I haven't seen in this, quite this, some time. This is the
0: first time I got to watch three movies that I wasn't rushing through.
1: No, I I thoroughly enjoyed. Every every second of watching and these the movies, the majority again.
0: of my notes are good notes. I don't think I had I think I had one bad note for each movie.
1: I mean, I had to really, except for a Total Recall, uh, which had a few scenes that were like outlandish. I had to reach for something to not like.
0: Right, but you also have to accept when you're watching an Arnold movie, it's going to be outlandish.
1: Yes, that's part of watching an Arnold movie. Yes. So, what do we have for next month?
0: Yeah, so next month is July 1990. We have Die Hard 2. Love me some John McLean. Uh We have Ghost, very popular movie, not our genre, but you know, it's a good movie. God,
1: look, I despise that movie. Well, I love Swayze too, and I don't like that movie, but maybe I'll like it this
0: go around. Well, em- embrace it. It's a, it's a good movie. I, I'm sorry Whoopi Goldberg, for being man. Whoopi Goldberg. That makes it worse. <laughs> I'm going
1: to be very open-minded upon this viewing of Ghost and try try my best to like it.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate you putting in the effort. And then we also have Presumed Innocent. It's a Harrison Ford movie I've never seen before.
1: I've never seen it either.
0: Do you think this is another in the line of... Um,
1: Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan movies. I, I think it's going to feel like that.
0: Yeah. Um, and then also, but also during this month, we have some other good movies you might want to watch. Problem Child.
1: The Jetsons movie? I love the Jetsons Listen,
0: movie. Listen, there's
1: zero chance I don't watch the Jetsons movie before this next <laughs> podcast.
0: Um And then also on here we have Arachnophobia, which isn't a good movie, but it's a great movie. You also have The Freshman. <sighs> I mean, there's a lot of movies I
1: want to watch before this next podcast. That came out in 90? Apparently. It's we a wide look. release on, and I don't, I it can't be a re-release. We got to look into that. I will fact check.
0: All right. So uh, we'll see you next time.
1: All right. Thanks for listening.